We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Here to do a uh, live Q and A. It's been a while, been a hot minute, but uh, we're back and we're ready to get some questions going. So, uh, as always, be sure to uh, use the super chat features if you want to. Make sure your question gets answered. Uh, and thanks for tuning in on this uh, Saturday morning. So, that being said, my name is Stephen. I am your host. Joining me, as always, are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex and I are matching today, as you can see, both wearing the Spanish Heritage t-shirts today. So, uh, Alex, I think you had a good night last night, man. How you doing? Yeah, I had a good last night. I get to see the Lakers lose and LeBron misses a buzzer beater. Just great content. And then James Harden plays with the Sixers. Awesome. So, sorry, uh, sorry, Lakers Chargers fans. Yeah, the Lakers are a hot mess. I think that Frank Vogel is one of the worst coaches in the league, so um that's always fun um tyler is here as well man tyler is the the one of us that is like dressed nice today so tyler how are you doing man i'm doing very well i don't have a mexican shirt but a my fiance is mexican and i'm going to a mexican restaurant after this so i Ooh. kind of we all are on the same page here i think what's the what's the spot today las brisas in laguna i think okay i think i've heard of that place so always down for some good mexican food obviously california is the best in that regard so uh, like I said, hit us up with some questions if you're here, if you want to, uh, if you are so obliged, the Super Chat feature is enabled, so we always appreciate those. Um, ooh, TV question off the bat, Succession or Ozark? Have you guys seen any either of those shows yet? I have not watched Succession. I rarely watch TV as is, so currently Ozark. Uh, yeah, I've watched both of them. I... I like Succession a little bit better, but I also like Ozark. I haven't watched uh, Ozark season 4A yet, uh, so no no spoilers for that in the chat, but I'm, I'm trying to get on that. Yeah, I've only watched the first season of Succession. I, I, I am behind. Uh, I love Ozark, man. Ozark's a top five show for me all time. I think it's one of the best shows ever, and I love Jason Bateman, seeing him be like go from the funny guy to watching him play this like dry accountant you know mm. uh money launderer for a drug cartel it is just really interesting to me 
And I do think in general, it's really close. And so, uh, Alex, you better hurry up, man, because season 4B, I think, comes out like next month. So, uh, oh, it's that better. soon. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah I think they... I'm protesting out of principle here. Ever since Breaking Bad did the f- season 5A, 5B thing, people have been doing it. <laughs> Just give it to me all in one sitting. It really is, man. And, you know, honestly, I blame Harry Potter for all this splitting things up because really up until that point, it was not a thing. And then it was like Hunger Games split up. And then, you know, one of my favorite shows, Vikings splits up and, you know, uh, Game of Thrones splits their season. So it's it's just a mess. How into Twilight were you guys or did you get dragged by any of your siblings (laughs) or girlfriends or girls to that? Because I have three sisters, so. I was very well versed in the Twilight saga. Yeah, I mean, uh, Twilight was right when I was in high school. And so I saw the first two. Uh, I did not see this, this the second two or the sec- the last two, I should say, because they, they split that one up too, right? Yeah, the last one, Breaking Dawn. Okay, so I, uh, I saw the first two. That was it. I did never read the books. Um, Brooke always wants me to rewatch them again with her, but I just, I, I can't do it. I, I, it's just, you know, poor memories. So, uh, definitely not into that. Not yeah. Much. Um, I was, I was nine years old when the first Twilight oh my came gosh. out <laughs> uh, and, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have any siblings and I definitely didn't have any girlfriends at that time. So, uh, yeah, it was, was it sort of missed the Twilight boat, I think. Count your blessings, man. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, Ozark is a great show. I, I'm getting into Succession, so I'll keep that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Tyler, Evan Airy wants to know, how excited are you for the Lord of the Rings series? I was so excited for this series. And then I saw the trailer for the new series. And man, I'm just a bit worried. I, I want to see more. I'll give it time. But it just doesn't feel quite like the Lord of the Rings I grew up with, which is fine. I can live with that. But it looks like they're taking all of Tolkien's work and creating new characters and things from it, which isn't the worst thing, but like Tolkien's work is Tolkien's work. And Peter Jackson did such a great job focusing on the themes of the books and what Peter, what what Tolkien was trying to do. And if this place, you know, this series deviates from that, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, This is not a Lord of the Rings show, but I could definitely talk about it for the next two hours. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, so I watched the trailer like on the TV and I like on the TV, you know, you're at your Super Bowl party and I was like, oh, that looks really good. And then I watched the trailer on Twitter again, like the next day. And I totally get what you're saying. It definitely feels more hobbity than Lord of the Rings. Um, So I don't know. I'm willing to give it a chance. Obviously, it's just the trailer. You never really know, but. Uh, I hope it's not more hobbity. Like I, I thought the Hobbit was like entertaining-ish, but it was definitely not as good. So as long as we can like meet in the middle there, I think it'll be okay. Is it like a prequel thing? Like I, yeah. I didn't. Re- okay, that's the deal with it. All right, yeah, because I didn't really get the tone of it during the Super Bowl, and it was like, oh, here's the ad, and then here's Larry David talking about crypto, and I, I, I didn't tre- <laughs> keep track of any of the Super Bowl ads really. Yeah, so I think I'm not like super positive of the premise. So I think Tyler can probably, you know, speak on that a little bit more if he wants to. But um, I think it's like Sauron, like getting his power, if I'm not mistaken. So it definitely is a prequel. The War of the Rings, the creation of the rings. It's an entire second age condensed into one series. So we'll see. I don't I don't quite know. Um, I have the Cimmerillion. I have not read it. I've had the other shoot off books that Tolkien has put together. I haven't read it. So I, I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'm excited for Jeff Bezos to spend $500 million on that for me to not watch it. 
Yeah, I uh, I do not have Amazon Prime TV, but uh, with Thursday Night Football going there, I'm probably going to have to get that. So uh, we'll see. Um, broadcast money these days, by the way, just yeah, man, stupid, ridiculous. Troy Aikman getting 17 and a half for ESPN. Sean McVay leaving a hundred million dollars on the table from Amazon. Just crazy money right now. They really spend all that money just for me to mute the TV too. <laughs> Why would McVeigh? I mean, unless you're not comfortable with it, but if he was interested in the job, why would you turn down $20 million a year just to talk on TV? Like everyone knows you're smart and you'd be broadcasting to an audience that generally assumes that what you're talking about is correct. Whereas when you're coaching, you lose, there's second guessing, there's tons of stress. Like take the 20 million a year and go home. Well, yeah, I. Think- I, I- I think he was just using that as a leverage play. I don't think that was ever. Yeah. I mean, I would say the same thing. Like I'd rather just spend, you know, take $20 million and go to ESPN too. They they tried to get Romo a couple of years ago, but now they got another Cowboys quarterback, I guess. Um, So yeah, that's, I don't know. The commentary game is the feels weak right now. I hope Collinsworth doesn't have a job next year, but we'll see. Yeah. There really aren't like a ton of good commentators and, you know, Pat McAfee pointed out that like, why aren't any of the big networks like contacting Kirk Herbstreit about this? Because, you know, I, I think he could be a little insufferable at certain points, but I mean, he's better than Aikman and all these guys, in my opinion. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Pass on Kirk Herbstreit. <laughs> Alex just wants to watch the Manning cast and call it good. Yeah, that's true. I, I just want to watch the Manning <laughs> for everything. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. Like, Romo's good. Everyone else is pretty, well, they're all overpaid, but I don't know. None of the others yeah. really strike me as good. I don't know. I, I like Greg Olson on Fox, and I like Charles Davis on CBS, mm-hmm. but all of the big guys, I'm just like, like, yeah, it, it's just really hard to listen to Chris Collinsworth for a whole game. And, um, you know, the, the Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy didn't, dynamic was a little much for me. I think they should have just gone with Lewis last year, but oh well. Um, all right, let's get to some football questions. Michael Preferred asked this one earlier, wanted to get to it. Um, what do you think the odds are that we get a new punter? And he says, hopefully the one from San Diego State. So obviously Ryan Ficken comes in uh, as a new special teams coordinator. Alex pointed out in his initial video that one of the things that Ficken did initially with the Vikings was kind of swap out the old crew, bring in a new crew, it's totally possible to me that they do explore an option at punter. They should at least at the very minimum bring in some competition for Ty Long, who is a restricted free agent. But um, Alex, I'll let you answer this one first. What do you think about the chances that they add a punter in the draft and uh, any thoughts on Matt Ariza so far? Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on Matt Ariza. I haven't really watched him, but you know everyone keeps talking about him. I mean, he's from San Diego State, so a lot of Chargers fans have seen him. Uh, I'm sure he's good. I don't know if I'd want to spend like a draft pick on him um, for a bunter, but I definitely think they're going to bring in some competition for Ty Long. Uh, I just there was definitely a decline in, in him this year, and just you know how much he was getting on his punts, just some weird shanks sometimes too. Um, and so I feel like they definitely need to get some competition in that building. And, you know, you have a new special teams coordinator, kind of the time to, you know, not clean out everyone on the roster. Obviously, you probably are bringing Dustin Hopkins back. You're probably bringing Andre Roberts back. We'll see in free agency. Um, but yeah, Ty Long just it, it doesn't seem like he's kind of long for L.A. right now. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Uh, oh, that was unintentional. <laughs> I, <didn't... laughs> 
I, fuck. I didn't even mean to say no, that. No, that was fantastic. I, I'm, I'm so proud of you for intentionally doing that. I hate that I, I think just made a Tyler joke. <laughs> yes. All right. So I, I do think they'll do what they did with uh, Cyphers and Kazer, where they brought Cyphers back. Or no, I think he was still on the team. Then they went to the draft. They drafted Kazer, and they cut Cyphers like the next day or something. So I think they could do something like that. To me, if you're asking me, if Arise is there, Ariza, if he's there in the sixth round, it's like, Gilman, Roundtree, good punter. I'm going to take the good punter uh, all day long. And also, I think it is worth mentioning that he is working with Nick Novak right now, who is not a punter, but he's working with him. The guy that worked with Novak last year, for better or worse, was Vizcaino. And he obviously went join the Chargers. I know it's not the same situation. It's different positions. But I do think there is kind of a relationship there that could be explored. So Ariza working with Nick Novak. Could be something there. Yeah, I'm Ariza feels like somebody who was initially like really hot in terms of the draft stock. Kind of seems like after the All Star games, that's kind of died down a little bit. Um, really seems like this punter class in general is really good. I mean, there's a I don't know all their names yet. Obviously, I haven't studied punters, but um, there's a Colorado State punter, there's a Penn State punter, um, even the one from. Alabama or Georgia, I think, was pretty good at the senior bowl. So honestly, like they're punters. I probably will not study them. <laughs> I don't know shit about punting. Um, but I think they could certainly draft one. I mean, they have four seventh round picks this year, most likely. Um, that has not been 100 percent confirmed yet. Uh, apparently supposed to be happening soon in terms of the comp picks. So I mean, the Chargers are gonna have three of the last five picks, most likely in the draft. They use one of those on a punter, like so be it. I, I'm not like super into the idea of spending, you know, a fourth or fifth round pick on a punter. I know some people are are really into that idea. That's personally not me. I think this team has several needs where they need to bolster the roster. And, you know, I think Roundtree or a punter, I totally get that conversation, but I still think that you'd rather have like Chris Rumpf or Brendan Hymas over a punter. So um, I'm not there yet, but I, I think certainly they'll bring in some competition. Um, Ficken had some interesting comments about the special teams overall. He seemed to indicate that he does want Overton and Roberts and um, Dustin Hopkins back. But, you know, they also mentioned Cordell Patterson in that same quote. So we'll kind of see what happens there. It feels like Hopkins is the most likely to return. I mean, we only had him for 10 games or whatever. He was really good. He wasn't like great, but obviously probably one of the best kickers that we've had, you know, in a very long time on this team. So I, I feel like Hopkins is the most safe to return at this point in terms of the specialists. Yeah, I agree with that. Whether you can find someone better at the higher ceiling, maybe, but they did that. They didn't bring back Vizcaino on a, on a futures contract or whatever. Nope. I thought was very interesting. So yeah. that does suggest they are all in on Hopkins and there's no, there's nobody really else out there that can hit 88%. If that's all he can hit, 88%, you know, 50-50 from 50-plus, I can live with that. Like, I'll take that. I don't want the mystery box. Like, give me the $5. I don't need the mystery box. I'll take the the sure thing right now. Yeah, I think Hopkins is probably the most likely one to return. Um, I'm curious to see how the free agency for Andre Roberts goes more than anything else because I feel like there's a lot of teams that could use him, um, you know, just as an upgrade or returner, another Pro Bowl season. So I'll be curious to see if he's kind of in the plans to be brought back with a new special teams coordinator, a new scheme, kind of everything like that. So we'll see. Yeah, the Vizcaino thing really kind of, to me, points out that he was he was Swinton's guy. Like that was 
that was his dude. So uh, unfortunately, probably cost him his job. Um, all right, interesting question here from Andre Fernan. Um, how would you guys feel about letting Mike Williams walk and signing JC Jackson and then drafting a receiver in the first round? So obviously, uh, Sean Merriman today, you know, tweeting about JC Jackson and, and potentially going to the Chargers. Um, you know, there was that quote from JC Jackson earlier this week that he doesn't really feel wanted in New England. Um, all of the New England reporters and the pro football focus reporters seem to think that JC Jackson is simply going to get tagged that this is kind of Bill Belichick's mantra for negotiating deals. He doesn't negotiate until it's actually time to negotiate. So we'll see if JC Jackson actually hits free agency. But Tyler, what do you think about this specific scenario? I am for this scenario. I, obviously, it depends on which receiver they want to go. I don't think it has to be as one-to-one as, you know, let Mike Williams go, get Drake London sort of thing. I think they can go sure. in a number of directions there. But yeah, JC Jackson, like if you're telling me, you know, let Williams walk and then sign DJ Chark, it's like for, you know, 12 million. Eh. But if you're telling me let Williams walk and basically use that same thing for JC Jackson, and then you can go wide receiver in the first round and then some sort of defensive tackle in the second round. I, I just think it's, it's tough to let Mike Williams go. And I understand both sides of it. I've tried to play both sides of this as best as I could. But at the end of the day, it is just, I, I would like like original one says in the chat here. I would rather pay J.C. Jackson than Mike Williams, and I, I think at this point, paying a corner is better than paying a, a wide receiver. I get the connection to Herbert. I get the risks that's there, but to me, I, I think I'd rather risk a wide receiver pairing with Herbert in the first round than risk a corner trying to pair with his defense in the first round. Like I think if you have my, if you have Justin Herbert, and considering how fast he he gelled with Williams, with Allen, with Johnson, with Henry, with Eckler. I think if you get a guy in the first round, especially if you feel like you can use him creatively or even more so than Mike Williams, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I'd rather go, I'd rather just let Herbert gel with someone in the first round over gambling on Trent McDuffie trying to gel over someone like JC Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for the idea in general. Um, not gonna happen. I mean, they're they're tagging Mike Williams, so I mean that's where we are with it um so uh, you know unless we somehow get to march 9th and then mike williams is no longer a charger like at that point you know then i think we can start discussing it but you know in terms of the receivers that are left uh, in round one kind of depends on which guy you're getting to me like i i'd love i love jameson williams we talked about him in the draft but like doesn't seem like he's gonna be able to play the first like eight games which would be a big problem if you're trying to replace mike williams um you know if you're trying to go get garrett wilson or chris Olave, that's a bit of a different conversation but even they don't necessarily like they're they're definitely not one for one fits with what white mike williams skill set is and how you know justin herbert and joe lombardi have have used them over his tenure so i get the idea of letting mike williams walk and using that money for somewhere else which i think sounds good in theory but in actuality like i just don't think it plays out like that and i don't think they're gonna let uh, mike williams walk both for you know I mean, just asset protection. And also, I don't think Justin Herbert wants Mike Williams to walk. Yeah, I know. Like, that's that's my thinking, really, a lot with a lot of the whole Mike Williams thing. And, you know, I wrote an article about it being a mistake for the Chargers to let Mike Williams walk. And I think, like, you're asking a lot of Justin Herbert to continually turn over his supporting cast. And I totally get the concerns about Mike Williams. I think some of his inconsistencies was related to scheme. Like, I mean, we all watched the film of the Raiders, the first Raiders game 
and he was open all day long, and it was just kind of a tight end game. Like, I don't really blame Williams for not getting targeted against the Raiders when he was open all day long against Trayvon Mullen or whoever was covering him. So I totally get the concerns. I just think that with Justin Herbert being your most important asset right now, you have to kind of keep some semblance of continuity around him. And so after his first year, you take his coaching staff, you take his offensive line, you take his tight end away from him. Then the next year, you take his second wide receiver away from him. Austin Eckler is a free agent after the 2023 season. So like it it just kind of, you know, goes spiraling downwards at this point of like, okay, how much of his supporting cast can Justin Herbert stand to lose? And so for me, I just think you want to keep that intact. And obviously like one for one, I'd rather have JC Jackson. I think he's a better corner than Williams is a better receiver, but I just think supporting Justin Herbert is the most important thing right now. And, you know, letting Mike Williams walk to me is counterintuitive to maximizing Justin Herbert's ability. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I wish that they had, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter. I know everybody wants us to move on from the topic, but like I said, I, I wish that Tyron Johnson was still on the team because this decision would be easier at, at worst they have a wide receiver three there but like it just felt like you know with palmer with johnson they had this plan if williams were to cost too much and now it's just like i guess we have to bring him back and that's fine like i'm not against them bringing him back it's just i, I wish they didn't have to pigeon them whole pigeonhole themselves into this specific scenario no i mean you're you're spot on there because we've talked about telesco's inability to be proactive leaving this team in a bind like if they had, if Joe Reed or KJ Hill had panned out and you add Palmer who's panning out, like then you're having a different conversation, right? But, you know, they traded, they traded up to get Kenneth Murray. They could have kept that second round pick and taken a receiver in the third round. Maybe that guy pans out, but they don't have a replacement, a viable replacement plan on the roster. I think we all like Josh Palmer, but he's not ready to be a wide receiver too. Like he's just not. And, you know, say in this scenario, you take a receiver in round one. Again, there's no guarantee that that player becomes a viable receiver too right away. You know, not, you know, I tweeted this out. Not every first round pick is a Jamar Chase, is a Justin Jefferson. Sometimes you get a Jalen Rager in there. Sometimes you get a Kadarius Tony in there. Sometimes you get Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, who frankly had, has been a disappointment. So I, I think everybody trying to replace Mike Williams just kind of needs to pump the brakes a little bit and realize what they have like known commodities for me are always more important. They're always more valuable than, you know, can you replace them with DJ Chark? Can you replace them with a draft pick? You don't really know. Like there's just so much uncertainty in this wide receiver class, both in free agency and in the draft that I would rather just know what I have in Mike Williams and keep rolling with this group. At least for one more year. I, I think yeah. the tag is a great balance between like, we're kind of stuck with this situation, but we don't want to commit for four years, you know, a hundred million dollars or whatever it is. So I, I think tag is the perfect way to go. I think this discussion is really going to be happening next season. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Tyler said his piece about Tyron Johnson and he got his propaganda. <laughs> and so I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, certainly showed some great special teams value for the Raiders. Um, all right, shout out to our guy, Envy Talent, one of the big longtime supporters of the show. Ask a good question here Is this the type of draft that you're better off trading down for more picks? And this is interesting timing. Obviously, Daniel Jeremiah had his uh annual press conference, if you will, with the media yesterday. 
Uh, if you missed it, there's a lot of great information in there. Um, and one of the things that he said is that there's really isn't a ton of difference for him between player 15 and player 60 in terms of grades. Like he feels like that this is really a depth class. And so I absolutely think like I'm always in, in favor of trading down. Like you get more picks, you get more chances, more dart throws. But this draft in particular, like if I can get two second round picks from trading down, I am in favor of that. So, you know, I know that there's a ton of scenarios out there. You know, we'll see about the quarterback class. But, you know, if there's no quarterbacks taken in the top 15 and, and somebody wants to move ahead, of the saints who absolutely need a quarterback, then I'm definitely in favor of the chargers trading down. If they can get us an additional second round pick, I think that is ideal for this draft. You get two quality players in the second round, maybe an offensive tackle, maybe corner, whatever different combinations, but absolutely in favor of trading down this year. Generally in favor of trading down. It'll depend on how the draft in front of them works out. Like I, I don't want them to do it until they absolutely know they can get away with trading down. Yeah. It right. depends on what they, I mean, duh, but it depends on what they want. Like to me, based on the edge guys that I'm watching at this point, they're not going to get Thibodeau. They're not going to get Hutchinson, but some combination of either Johnson, Ojabo, Carl Laftis, Walker, one of those guys might be there at 17. And to me, like if one of those guys is there or McDuffie or Booth are there or, or freaking Gardner, if he happens to be there, if, if that's their target, if they want to go with a premium corner pick or edge pick, that I'm in favor of staying right there to make sure you get that the guy that kind of sneaks out of that top 15. But if they're like, hey, I want wide receiver, defensive tackle, offensive tackle at 17, which are some of our premium positions, sure. But like I would move back a little bit. So it just kind of depends on what they'd like to do at, at 17 or at least in the first round. Depends what they want to do at 17. Also, uh, I mean, they already have what, like 11 picks or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, at some point, I think you can make the argument for trading down and why it makes sense, but it also depends, like we said, what happens in front of them. Um, you know, just to give an example, right? Like the Eagles, when they traded down last year, knew that there were going to be five teams in the top 15 that took a quarterback. And so they were like, okay, we're cool with Devonta Smith if we get an extra first round pick for Miami, right? Um, so you could kind of not really create that scenario, I feel like, in this class, right? I mean, you're probably only going to have like Pickett and Willis go top 17. Uh, I think that those are going to be the only two quarterbacks. And then, you know, probably all those position players like we kind of talked about are going to be gone. Um, so I don't know, like it depends on the player you want to take too. like if, if the Chargers, you know, for some reason we're really into like Jordan Davis or something like that, then, you know, that could be a situation where you trade. <laughs> Stephen made his eyes well. <laughs> uh, you know, that could be a situation where the Chargers, you know, trade back eight, 10 picks. Maybe you get something for them and somebody, you know, the Steelers want to trade up for a quarterback or something um but yeah no i like i i think they do need talent and and t particular talent infusion we're talking about the quarterbacks secondary uh edge players like tyler just mentioned uh i think there's an argument for it but for me they already kind of have 11 picks a lot of picks in later rounds i don't see much utility in it especially if, you know if they're gonna a be signing 11 draft picks to the roster and b there's not gonna be a lot of quarterbacks who push a lot of players down in my opinion yeah, did you guys see the Jordan Love quote this week? Uh, I guess there's a lot of evaluators around the league that would think that Jordan Love would be QB1 in this draft, which is just kind of <laughs> I mean, crazy. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I haven't watched any of these quarterbacks, and nor do I plan on watching them, but nope. I mean, 
yeah, maybe he definitely has at least the raw talent. And yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. Sure. Yeah, this quarterback class, man. Like, I mean, if the Chargers needed a quarterback, I probably would be more into studying them. But you know, I just I, I don't see it with the with any of these guys from from what I'm hearing. So we'll see. In, in terms of the Chargers picking at 17, Daniel Jeremiah was asked about um, which edge rushers would be in range of the Eagles, and of course, by extension, that would also include the Chargers' range. Um, and, and so basically, what he was saying, from what I can gather, he thinks. Obviously, Hutchinson, Thibodeau are going to be gone. He thinks that Trayvon Walker is going to be a 10-pick based on what he has been hearing and how he's expected to test. I don't necessarily have a strong opinion there, but uh, to me, he's kind of a tweener, so I feel like that's a little bit rich for me. And then he also thinks that Jermaine Johnson will be gone by the time the Eagles pick at 15. So um, that's apparently the pecking order in, in terms of the edge rushers before the combine, at least. So... Um, he kind of thinks that those top four will be gone and the Eagles slash Chargers will be looking at a George Karloftis, a David Ojabo, and then potentially the, the probably the third corner because he thinks that mm-hmm. um, Sauce and Stingley will both be gone by then. So I had to think about his name for a second, but um, that's kind of the pecking order, at least uh, according to Daniel Jeremiah from what he's been hearing. I, I'm not surprised that Ojabo is not high up there, but I kind of am. Like, you see what the traits are that are there, and I would assume someone would go for it. I, I'm curious what the Chargers would do if Ojabo and Walker were on the board because I feel like with Ojabo, you, like, you get a, a much, much better edge rusher, pass rusher, but is that what they want? Do they want to go with one of those bigger edge, tweener edge defensive tackle hybrids yeah. who are better against the run at that point? Um, but yeah, Walker getting top 10 buzz. He mock drafted him to the, the Giants at five. If yeah. <laughs> anyone's going to take him early, it is the Giants for sure. Uh, I just, I don't, like he doesn't have a first round grade for me. And so I don't really buy him going top five, let alone like top 10 as well. Um, but yeah. I, like I haven't studied him. Like I, I've just kind of watched him in passing as I've studied Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and all these guys, right? But um, also just, crazy how many georgia defensive players are going to go in the first two rounds it's just wild um but i have a hard time envisioning walker as like a three four outside linebacker and doing like the same kind of role as the chen wosu does you know what i mean like it's just to me like if if i draft him on the chargers like he's gonna be more of a four eye five technique jerry tillery justin jones type for me just kind of based off of what i've seen so far than sticking him on the edge and of course like sure he can do that from time to time but um, I don't know if I really am into the idea of the Chargers drafting him. Whereas David Ojabo, absolutely a three-four outside linebacker, absolutely has that ability. It's basically what he did at Michigan. So haven't really studied George Karloftis yet, but um, same kind of thing. Like I just don't know if he's that kind of athlete, that kind of bendy, twitchy player that the Chargers are really looking for in terms of outside linebacker. So if David Ojabo is there, I think that's probably my preference right now it's him or andrew booth kind of my my guys at that spot um but we'll see how that changes over the next few weeks uh it's a fun hypothetical but uh tom telesco only trades one way and that's up uh so yeah Uh, (laughs) he's he's not traded back in this draft i i wouldn't rule out him trading up actually i I don't think that's a crazy thing if someone like sauce you know is still on the board or something like that Uh, i don't think they'll do it but you know if he did just do it with the kenneth murray draft didn't work out there 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think the Chargers would would trade down really in any first round scenario, but hmm, like to be proven wrong. Yeah, you know, he's never traded down before. So um, everybody made a huge deal about uh, David Gettleman trading down last year. I feel like that would be the same thing with Tom Telesco. So, I mean, it, like I said on our show on Thursday, if Charles Cross is there and you feel like you can trade up and get him, Jermaine Johnson, same thing. I think Sauce, same thing. Then by all means, go for it. So um, just my kind of thing. And so uh, there was a very surprising contract handed out by the Carolina Jeez. Panthers this week. Uh, with Ian Thomas, James C wants to know if we feel like the Panthers extension for Thomas, which I think was three years, $16 million, if I'm not mistaken, if that has raised the market for tight end. So Alex, what do you think about uh, the way that that's going to affect the, the tight end world? Yeah, Zach Ertz and uh, Gronk, if he wants to play, <laughs> they're they're just laughing to the bank right now. Uh, that's, um, I, I don't know, that that contract is a little bit wild. Um as, as far as how it affects the tight end market, yeah, I mean, all those guys kind of have their prices go up. But in a sense, we kind of knew that was going to happen anyway, because salary caps going up $28 million. And, uh, you know, all these guys were kind of going to be getting more compared to the tight end market last year, which I felt like outside of Hunter Henry and even his market was a little bit, I, I think, decreased compared to, you know, some of the top predictions for it being like 14, 15 million. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I definitely think this market is going to be less depressed for for the tight ends than the last one was and there's going to be guys you can take advantage of that for sure yeah i'm i'm almost willing to bet it's just kind of an anomaly thing where the panthers just like if i'm not getting into broadcasting one day and i'm not i'm gonna go be a panthers <laughs> tight end because apparently uh, just panthers anybody man <laughs> yes apparently unless you want to coach because then you have to bow down to the rule over there but um yeah you'll make five and a half million dollars a year to be a blocking tight end so uh, I'm more curious what that does for Steven Anderson's contract. I know he's not a inline tight end really at this point. He's more of that hybrid fullback sort of type. I don't think he'll be that expensive. Anderson's probably much older at this point and kind of just like that veteran that you throw around the league. No offense, Steven. Um, but yeah, the, N- the Njoku projections of like $7 million on, on Spotrack or however you say it, like it's not going to happen. Like these guys aren't going to push. 12 13 million dollars i'm mildly still in favor of it because it feels like an all-in seasons if you can find a way to negotiate some an extension or a restructure and you can afford an njoku or a schultz or even even a gaseki um i'm still okay with that price but it is going to be very expensive and i'm but that might change because i haven't done homework on the tight ends in this class and if there's just a bunch of good dudes from rounds two to five or whatever then never mind yeah, this uh, this tight end group, because like the way that obviously the market works out, right, is that every year these good tight ends are going to reset the market. So everybody wants Mike Gesicki, but that man is going to sign for more money than Hunter Henry got. Like it, that's just how it's going to work. And he wants to be played like a wide receiver. I was reading this uh, article on PFF, by the way. Did you guys know that Alan Lazard has more reps as an inline blocker than Mike Gesicki does? <laughs> Wow, we should, we should never, let's give Gasicki 17 mil, bro. <laughs> so, like, I, I know that everybody wants Mike Gasicki because he's like the flashy name right now in terms of tight ends, but like, he's gonna get like 14, 15 million dollars. I would expect Njoku to get at least 11, just kind of based off of you know what we're hearing there. So, um, maybe Ian Thomas's contract extension doesn't have a huge effect on the market. 
but that makes all the other guys more money. Like Alex just mentioned Zach Ertz and, and, and Gronk, right? Like they can't sign for less than Ian Thomas. Like that's just not how things work. So I, I, maybe it doesn't affect like the top guys as much as Hunter Henry's previous contract does, but it absolutely affects players below him or around him in that same range. Yeah. We do have a couple of super chat questions. I want to go through real fast. David O 17 or trade back in the first for Jordan Davis. So I, I guess I can even, what do you think on this one? I, I guess I can get behind <laughs> taking a defensive nose tackle. If I get another second round pick, but uh, no, I, I'm like generally speaking, unless every edge or corner is gone in this scenario, then I'm not taking Jordan Davis. Uh, how far back in the first are we trading back? Do we get to 32 and get Jordan Davis? Because <laughs> then I'd be kind of okay with that. Trade but, back um, 15 spots. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, do it. Give us, give us 32 and 33, and then yeah. I guess I'll be okay with uh, taking Jordan Davis at 32. Wait, yeah. the the Lions have the 32nd pick, right? Because uh, yeah, yeah, because yes. they traded with the Rams. So I yeah, guess it would be, guess it'll be 32 and 34. So yeah, the Lions in this scenario are trading up 15 oh. spots for Kenny Pickett. And <laughs> yeah, someone pointed out in the chat. I think Jason means take David O at 17 and then trade back into the first for Jordan oh. Davis. Uh no. No, no. <laughs> I like no. Jordan Davis a lot, but I'm not trading up again. Just for... give me just give me Travis Jones in the second for this case. I mean, I think he's probably a better prospect anyway. So yeah. yeah last um, time we, real... we traded Sorry. up. Sorry. <laughs> um okay. Arjun, I know you're watching. Did you win the championship? Did your team win? They're out doing what? like a like a cap salary cap debate thing. Ooh. Or um, Villanova's debate something. I'm oh. sorry, Arjun, I didn't pay attention. I but didn't I know understand you're... what Arjun was saying champions to. I didn't know if it was that or the flag football games he plays every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's the 10-year-olds that you're dominating every week, Arjun, out in Michigan? How's the Arjun, Arjun just posts some stat line one week that's like, yo, I had 300 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And I'm like, what was your average depth of target, dude? You didn't even calculate this shit for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I've liked Arjun's pickup games on Twitter. Three undergrads versus law students, and we won. Wow, good wow. job, Arjun. Let's go. Look at that. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I was making a video about like um, you know Harrison Smith and all those uh, free agent signings and the safeties that are available. It's so cool to have Arjun just throw out like the Shannon Entropy score, and then we get to use that on our show and in our, in our evaluations and all that. Like having just a different angle and being so much more well informed is awesome. So Arjun, congratulations to you and your team. Uh, it was you and Tej, and was it somebody else? It must have been somebody else's three undergrads. But anyway, congratulations, Arjun. Yeah, congrats, Arjun. Arjun's doing fantastic work. Um, of course, if you missed his PFF uh, article on projecting where t- uh, certain free agents will sign, go check that out. Um, really did some great work there. And um, we were we were texting back and forth with him the other day about safeties. And it was like, here's a graph for this guy. Here's a graph for this guy. Here's a graph for this guy. I was like, let's go, Arjun. I love it. Um, definitely makes things easier for us. Um, other super chat question here. Shout out to Sebastian. Um, uh, German last name. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try and uh, butcher that one, but, uh, he says we are planning on starting a German chargers podcast. Any advice for us? So, um, obviously I think this is fantastic. The way that mm-hmm. the NFL is continuing to grow the sport, uh, across this, uh, across the pond, if you will. Um, I think it was announced that the Buccaneers and Chiefs are going to be playing in Munich, which is going to be awesome for them. Obviously, I mm. think they would prefer the Chargers to be there, but that is 
a great international uh, event for the for this uh, country of Germany. So, Alex, any advice for them as it relates to starting a Chargers podcast? Uh, no, because I'm not the one that started the podcast. I just hopped <laughs> on the gravy train. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do too much in that regard. But uh, have fun. I'm. I. If you need a guest, I'm always willing to come on. I, I'm willing to bury the World War II hatchet with uh, my Jewish people. So I'll, uh, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll hop on the show. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh my god. I saw the German Chargers podcast question and I just had I I was waiting on that for like five minutes, dude. <laughs> you got him back, Alex. You're even now. <laughs> you got him. I don't know if I've made up like 12 million oh, deaths, but like <laughs> Jesus. Uh Sebastian, my my advice to you is to be a, as genuine as possible. Some people yeah. love and like be even keeled. I think some people relish the fact that they are too negative some people relish the fact that they are too positive be somewhere in the middle i think that's worked out for us like i think we do lean more positive um, but at the end of the day we try to do everything as objectively as we can and i mean we freaking hired an analytics guy to be as objective as possible so yeah just just be authentic be yourself if it works out fantastic and just make sure you're doing it because you love it if you make looking for the numbers or to reach a certain thing might not work out but like if you're just doing it because you love it i think people will really follow that and then last but not least make sure you invest up front as much as you can in a microphone in your lighting in your background into giveaways into patreon whatever it is if you want to start it and you do want to try to grow as fast as possible make sure you invest up front because i know when we first started it made a big difference that we had better equipment and we're a little bit better prepared so yeah that's my advice yeah, that's that's really good advice, Tyler. I think being able to look at the big picture has, has really been able to help the three of us and Arjun and, and Jason when he was on here as well. Um, and I just think, you know, you got to find your own way to make it a unique podcast because I feel like all the Chargers podcasts out there bring something different to the table. Um, and, and so you just got to figure out what works for you. Um, and like Tyler said, just put everything you can into the podcast in terms of your time and effort. And I think it'll all work out. Um, and just be interactive on social media. Like, I think that was really one of the focuses for us. Um, you know, we have looked at other podcasts that just like, Hey, here's our episode. And it's like all they do. And so being interactive on social media has, has helped us. And I think that is, is probably what I would recommend as well. And yes, absolutely happy to uh, be a guest on your show anytime. And don't, don't, don't lie. We hate lying. <laughs> Definitely don't, don't lie. Make things up. Like just, yeah. Always be true. All right. So let's get into some other ones. Yeah. Craig said that uh, the graphic that Arjun posted definitely validated his Jabril Peppers take. Um <laughs> You know, the Chargers are loosely connected there, I think. You know, they're mm -hmm. contacting the Browns there. Um, Tyler kind of mentioned this in his his own video, so I don't want to, you know, steal everything. But I think there is at least a little smoke to potentially signing Jarrell Peppers, and um, I think that would fit great with what they are wanting to do. Yeah, I, I could live with that. They've done a ridiculous amount of homework on versatile safeties at this point. I just interviewed the the fourth versatile safety that they've you know, they've talked to so far, so th they're looking at something. Again, they could look at the Harrison Smith name was a real surprise name drop, but it really does seem like they're trying to find 
someone to upgrade over Gilman. Like they're trying to find anything they can to not make Gilman their third safety. It feels like. <sighs> yeah. And um, shout out to Jason Greer with another super chat here. Um, well wishes on the, the German podcast show. So it's always exciting. Um, yeah, I think they, they have to add somebody because I think you look at Alohi Gilman hasn't really been on the field mixed results when he has been Mark Webb. You don't know what you have there. So I really think that Brandon Staley wants to play a lot more dime going forward and you have to have a reliable third safety to do that. And so, you know, that's kind of why we're, we're in favor of signing somebody or drafting somebody early. I really like Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Um, Daxon Hill from Michigan is somebody that I think really flashes on tape as well, but uh, he's probably a first rounder at this point, it sounds like. So um, the Chargers adding another safety, whether that's early, mid rounds, I think makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, adding another one free agency if they want to as well. Sorry, I've been reading questions. I'm trying to look for <sighs> more stuff. Interesting question from Todd here. Which uh, draft mm. boards do you feel are most accurate? So, Mine, obviously. <laughs> yeah, mine. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a lot of everybody uses a different site. You know, there's the mm -hmm. mock draftable website, there's Pro Football Network, there's the Draft Network, and then there's, of course, Pro Football Focus. I kind of lean towards Pro Football Focus and the Draft Network. The Pro Football Network never kind of gets all over the place. And, you know, that one you can just like trade a ton of draft picks, which people will send me mock drafts and there's like 17 trades in there. And I'm like, okay, I, like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to make of this. Like, of course I would love to have five second round picks, but um, so I feel like the draft network does a really good job of having an accurate board. And I think pro football focus as well. Although PFF does have uh, Alex or Charles cross as OT one. So I don't know, like there's, there's a, there's a balance is what I'm trying to say, but uh, use multiple sites, use whatever you like. Uh, like I said, I'm a fan of the Draft Network and PFF. Yeah, I feel like the thing with big boards in general is not to get too invested into like any specific one and kind of like just average them out as well. Like if one big board has them at 13, if one big board has them at 17, you know, like the answer is probably like somewhere kind of in the middle, right? Um, that's just sort of how I view big boards in general. Obviously, there's a lot more than just like two. But um, yeah, no, I think that's just kind of how you go about it. Um, just consult a number of sources and don't get too invested into like mock draft articles that are just like, you know, Mel Kuyper says whatever, because Mel Kuyper just gets paid to be wrong all the time. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I think that in general, just big boards, just read as much as you can and get as educated as you can. And then, like you said, the answer is, is it's kind of always kind of in the middle with where a specific prospect is probably going to go. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to read off Pro Football Focus's top 15. Let's see what you guys think about this, okay? So Aiden Hutchinson, then Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley, Kayvon Thibodeau, then Charles Cross, Ike Mikwanu, Evan Neal, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Drake London, Ahmad Garner, Tyler Linderbaum, Garrett Wilson, Devin Lloyd, and at number 15, Bernard Raymond. Uh, well, yeah, my thoughts on Bernard Raymond. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no, uh, Sauce Gardner is CB3. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Trent McDuffie is uh, a little high for my taste. Um, and I think Cross is probably a little high as much as I like him. I don't know. 
I don't know, man. I, I, like I said, I feel like there's a balance, but mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton at two is very interesting. I, I think that's kind of where I'll probably land once I get to the safeties. But um, yeah, I, I, I personally love that PFF is, is as big of fans as safeties as they are because there's still like this weird narrative that safeties are not valuable. But I, I mean, th- I think we all know how valuable Derwin James is. And I think we're seeing, you know, Tyron Matthew prove his value and, and all these guys. I mean, Harrison Smith has been great for years. So um, that is definitely something from PFF that I appreciate. Yeah, Derwin James being arguably, I mean, I think he is defensive MVP over one of the best edge rushes in the league and Joey Bosa on this team, like just speaks to how how much a safety can do. And if Kyle Hamilton's as good as people say, like Awusu Koromoto was my number one defensive player last season. And so Kyle Hamilton, like, if he's better than that, like, man, I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, I can't wait to watch him either. And I, I just think the concept of like a Derwin James, but he's Catholic is, is interesting. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he plays on the field. Hope he comes out with a lot of aggression. Do we Ooh, know Kyle that Hamilton is also Catholic? Asian. He's also oh, yeah, Asian? That's right. Oh, thank God. We're doing also- it. <laughs> I, I also learned that Sam Howell is like uh, an eighth yeah. Korean or something. According to the Times, at least. Yeah. And I guess Kyler Murray is too. Yeah, okay, Kyler so Murray, I didn't know Kyler that, Murray but I could totally know. see that. Like, I just assumed that I didn't. <laughs> um, Envy Town with a super chat. Shout out to Envy. Um, he wants to know if there's any chance that we would call a game live. Like, I would love to do that. Um, that's always been a dream of mine. Definitely not an NFL game. I think that uh, is definitely out of reach. But uh, I don't know. Maybe a high school football game once in a while these days. I don't know. No, let's, gonna, let's do an NFL yeah, game. Let, let's pick let's, the worst, like, awful game and just let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we could always do, like, a stream or something. I know some people have asked us, like, you know, would you do a stream of a game and, you know, kind of do, like, live commentary over it? But, no, I don't ever want to do, like, the – Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, but it's the three of us shitbags doing it. Like I don't, I don't think it would make sense. But the the GAC cast, there we go. The, the GAC cast. Yeah, I, I think just we could the whole have team a GAC bump at once. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we need. Just like... I I think whatever Monday Night Football game the Chargers have next year, we should do, definitely do the GAC cast to compete with the Manning cast, and then do a post game <laughs> show after. That, yeah, I, I mean, that Alex already fun. flips me off, so we're halfway there. <laughs> Yeah, the Manning no cast getting, violations on YouTube. I know the Manning cast getting forty million viewers, and we get you know forty five, fifty five, <laughs> fifty six. There we go. Seven. So I don't know. Uh, Edwin Martinez wants to know Sebastian Joseph Day or Fulurunzu Fatukasi. If either are available, do you guys have a preference? Is is Fatukasi the Jets nose yeah. tackle? Um, I wrote down what his projection was. It sounds I hear good things about him. I just don't know much about him. Uh, sounds like he's been a good run defender for them. So I believe he's less expensive. I think they're around bit. the same. Yeah, my, maybe a little bit less, but I think they're pretty close to eight per year each. I mean, gun to my head, if they're basically similar players, I'm taking the one that's more familiar with Brandon Staley. But um, yeah, I'm certainly not opposed to it. He's a, he's a name that I wrote down for tomorrow's uh, free agent episode if we got to it. What are their ages? I've I, I don't know how old they are. Both are similar. I think they're both like 26, 27. Like okay. they're both they're both coming off of their rookie contracts. Okay. Well, for some reason, I thought Sebastian Joseph Day was older. I don't know, but uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I like Fadakasi uh, quite a bit. I probably would take him over Joseph Day, but also there's the familiarity thing that you can't ignore, like Tyler said. Um, but I remember when someone told me to watch him before I did watch tape, someone was like, bro, you got to watch full Renzu Fadakasi. I'm like, you guys are just making up names at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any strong opinions on Fatukasi. I think he's probably a little more durable, been a little bit more durable. Obviously, uh, Joseph day had that torn peck from last season. I think he had like a little hamstring issue, uh, in 2019. So maybe that kind of leans that way, but. I mean, we'll, we'll get to more free agency stuff on our episode tomorrow. But, I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day just feels like a no-brainer to me. I mean, he's got the coaching connections. He's got the scheme fit. He's got the money fit. He, you know, he's in line with their age projections. Like, I think he's probably not back on the Rams next year because they want to bring everybody else back. They want to give Aaron Donald a raise. So, I feel like he's most likely to hit the market out of their free agents. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. I do like how people are talking about, oh, we don't want Akeem Hicks because he's like injured and on the decline and he's over 30. But like we want Von Miller, even though he's over 30 and has been injured. Like <laughs> Very different. I get that Von Miller is a, probably a better player at this point as an edge and more valuable. But like people are ruling out Hicks because of his injuries and age. But like, why not Von Miller? No problem for me. Get both of them. Yeah. Why not? Get all the good players. You know, we don't, all we're not picky. Players. Just, just sign all the players. All the yeah. good players. Von Miller, Sebastian, Je- uh, yeah, Sebastian Joseph Day, Keem Hicks, Zach Ertz, too. Just give him $14 million. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Tyron Matthew, JC Jackson, Von Miller. They're all available. Like, just get all of them. Um, Jason Greer, another super chat, wants to know if we had to go tackle in the first round, who's the best fit? So, uh, we did our offensive tackle breakdown on Thursday. If you missed the whole episode, go check that out. Um, in terms of scheme fit of the first round guys that are getting the hype, like I feel like it's Bernard Raymond in terms of the scheme fit. I feel like he kind of fits the the archetype of tackle that they want. Um, but I'm not into that idea of taking him at 17. Like, are we talking about the tackles that are remaining? Like the, the ones we assume that are going to be there at 17? Yes. Okay, so of the big three that are gone, no. So, yeah, like, um, like Charles Cross is definitely a fit. I, sure, I, I still <laughs> doubt that he's there. Right. Um, uh, I, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, I, it, well, it's either Raymond or Penning. I'd, I'd probably go Penning just because I like him more in the upside there. But then the problem there is like I I don't think he's a day one starter kind of guy and then you know you have the penalty problems and technique issues that have to kind of be fixed and associated with it but i guess if you put a gun to my head and said you have to pick a tackle i'd probably take him yeah i I I feel like canard is almost the answer here for some reason just in the off chance that they kick him inside to guard at some point well i mean like i would feel more comfortable with canard starting from day one than the other guys because i feel like he's more of a finished product but I think you probably are looking at somebody who kicks into guard at least at some point in his career. Um, I know what he like. I, he's a really, really good run blocker, and I think he's presents less technique issues. But I don't think he has like the upside of the other guys. Um, so yeah, we're the three of us are not into taking an offensive tackle in the first round, and that really says a lot coming from me, the offensive line guy. <laughs> that I'm just like I'm not about it. So 
kind of gives you an indication of where we're at with this class. All right, next one from Christian Farmer. Who do you think could drastically change their draft stock off the combine? Any quarterbacks? I don't know much about the quarterbacks, honestly. Of the um, quarterbacks, no. Like, I mean, Kenny Pickett, I feel like it, I feel like the quarterback class in general is like really solidified. Um, at this point, you know, barring a disastrous showing from Malik Willis, I feel like it's Pickett and Willis one and two. Um, but I don't know. In terms of the combining elevating status, I think you're looking at like receivers and corners who just really test like freaks. Like um, apparently Jahan Dotson is going to run like a four, three. And if that really happens, okay. I think wow. that elevates things. And, you know, given the questions of health with like a Jamison Williams and George Pickens and Mechie, then I think if Dotson really does run a four, three, then, he's got an argument for like a background of the first or back end of the first, excuse me. Yeah. And um, the Washington guys, apparently, you know, both of the Washington corners mm. were on Feldman's freak list. So them testing as people think they are, will probably help their stock a lot as well. And then there's always like the late round guys that, you know, test like freaks and, sh- you know, probably should be like six, seventh rounders and end up being like third rounders because of their athletic traits. So um, that those are the, in terms of first rounder guys, I think McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, and Jahan Dotson are probably most in line for a uh, stock up, if you will. Yeah, I'd, I'd just say wide receivers and cornerbacks in general, although the wide receiver part of that is hard because it's like, well, Jamison Williams isn't going to be at the combine. And, you know, we already talked about the other receivers who have had knee injuries who might not be there. John Mechie, uh, Pickens will be there. But um, it's going to be interesting to see you know which guys run a four three which guys run a four four that's going to be you know the thing every year with the wide receivers so i think that could definitely change stock uh i don't think much changes about the quarterbacks though i think the quarterback class like steven said is pretty solidified pickett and willis are going top 17 don't know what the hell's going on with everyone else yeah the, the only name that i think i'd bring up has the most to either lose or gain is is daniel Falelik. what do you weigh yeah, what you run that's a good one, and that honestly might that might one. change his draft stock. Like if he's if he shows up three ninety for some reason and he's gained weight, and he's obviously not running fast with it, he's gonna drop. If he he's three seventy five when he shows up, you know three eighty. I think he was three eighty seven at the Senior Bowl. He was three eighty seven at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So if he's three eighty three seventy five, he might go up there. I, I think just people want to see what he weighs and then how he moves with that weight. Yeah, Orlando Brown was joking on Twitter the other day that he ran like a. I think it was like a five. It was like a six zero or something like that. Yeah, that he, had like he fell the in the worst. draft because of it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, testing well will absolutely help Daniel Falele for sure. Um, what was what was Craig pointing out about Jones? Which Jones is he talking about? Oh, uh, Chandler Jones is an edge rusher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Last one from Frank here. I probably have to go after this. Um, higher priority for us, corner or more pass rush? Who is realistic pick at 17 with edge or corner based on what you feel is the highest priority? Um, This is a depends on free agency answer for me. Like if they do spend money and go after like an edge, whether that means resigning Chenna or, you know, we talked about going after someone like Von Miller, like that would, you know, change the discussion like a lot uh, and then kind of clearly put it towards cornerback. If they want to go after like a JC Jackson or make a big splash there, then you lean more towards edge. Don't know if either really happens, but you know, also the depth pieces that they go after uh, in free agency as well. So um, wait and see. 
But as of now, I would probably say higher priority is quarterback just because Michael Davis is not, uh, you know, long. I mean, I like he I don't think he's going to be here for very long after this season. Chris Harris is gone and you really just have ASJ there as kind of a long term piece. So that's probably I would say corner. I would go corner as well. I know, Stephen, you had a conversation that they someone expects them to go or thinks they should go corner within the first two rounds. So I do think there's something there. Um, but to me, yeah, but yeah, obviously it depends on free agency. If you're telling me that Nwosu's back and you have the two corners that you have in Nwosu and Bosa, yeah, I think it, I think it is corner. Um, I just think at that point, Staley wants, I don't know if, cor- like it depends on who the corner is. Like if they can move around and they're comfortable playing in their slot, either side of the field, whatever, man zone, whatever you need, then yeah, I think corner. But if it's just like you know, Kyrie Elam, no offense. Like, I, I don't know if I'm super pumped about them going corner at that point. Yeah, it was, it's funny. Kair Elam was like really hot. It was a really hot name in the fall. I think Daniel Dane Brugler had him to the Chargers in the in the first round in his first mock draft. Um, that has kind of uh, fallen by the wayside. Um, like, I, I think in a vacuum, like, of course, the pass rush is more valuable. The pass rush is more important to a defense's uh, health, if you will. Um, just kind of what we think based off of what the Chargers will do. I think it is corner in the first round. Um, assuming Uchenna and Wosu was back, I was listening to um, Connor Rogers and Trevor Sikama's podcast, and they were they were interviewing this guy who used to play for the Jets. And, you know, he was pointing out that most defensive edge rushers outside of, like, the top-tier guys really don't hit their stride until they're, like, 26, 27 years old. And Uchenna and Wosu just barely turned 25. So... I think that's something to keep in mind in terms of potentially signing him and the contract that we might be looking at for him. Um, but in a vacuum, I think the answer is pass rush. I just think that the Chargers seem likely to, you know, really address the defensive line as a whole in uh, in free agency. So I think once it comes after free agency, we'll be looking at corner, offensive tackle, maybe receiver in the first round as possibilities. Last so, one. <laughs> all right. Well, this is a, this is the last question. How unrealistic is signing JC Jackson? I would put the odds of the Chargers signing him at like two percent. I think that he is going to be franchise tagged by the New England Patriots, and I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't. Seven point four three percent. Seven point four four percent. All right. Uh, okay. I, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's very realistic at all. Um. Wish they could, you know, potentially go get him, but the franchise tag, that's that's the key. Yeah, Craig pointed out, I wish all the bad things to the people who keep saying CHJ is a red must resign. Like, I, I don't get it, man. I, I don't understand how anyone can watch the Chargers and be like, Chris Harris, priority resign. Like, let's do it. That's so, because no one watches the Chargers. Uh, and that's why they say that. That's very true. That's very true. All of the, all of the priority, like all of the media outlets who are saying that, also have Nwosu as like in the others category. I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. PFF had like Nwosu at like the 137th ranked free agent. And I was like, what What are we doing here? <laughs> I didn't really understand that much at all. Yeah. So um, that is going to do it for us today, guys. We'll be going live tomorrow, of course, as we do our uh, mock free agency episode. So really interested to dive into that, talking about some potential extent contract extensions, restructuring, cuts everything like that and uh, of course some um, 
<laughs> Tyler's got quite a sunglass right there. That's nice. Um, so stay tuned for that. We'll probably be going live in the afternoon ish before, you know, before the late evening. So, um, as always, please like, and subscribe to the channel. Uh, like the comments or like the comments. Hello. This is a mess right now. I'm sorry. We're just going to say bye. We'll, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.